Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to the Exhaust Notes Formula One Podcast. My name's Nick. I'm with my guys, Ro and Todd. Talk about 2023 season. We're calling this one Hot Takes with Cool Dudes. Hot Takes with Cool Dudes. <laughs> and apologies on the eardrums. <laughs> I, I, I refuse to apologize because it's Hot Takes with Cool Dudes. <laughs> We will have a soundboard for next season. I'm just going to put it out there now. Yeah. And trademark hot takes with cool dudes. That's going to be a t-shirt at some point in time for the Exhaust Notes podcast. But before we get into those hot takes from the beginning of the year, Todd's got Todd's got the the rumor of all rumors, I guess, that we need to uh, at least touch on. Well, I don't know if it's what it's going to come out to be. But we were tracking this, and I think we kind of alluded to it in the last episode. That um, it was leaked in, I don't remember what country's news publication, that a one of the members of Formula One management was leaking information to a team principal, again, unnamed, uh, because of their relationship. Hmm. that there was uh, basically it didn't actually give a ton of details but it alluded to the fact that this is what caused the cost cap drama from last year that that Toto kind of outed the fact that Red Bull was or Red Bull, Aston Martin and somebody else were potentially over the cost cap and then that was all you know all the drama, I guess this is two years ago now if we're looking at the timeline. But this article um, speculated without naming that it was Toto Wolf, team principal of Mercedes, and Susie Wolf, who's the head of the F1 Academy, basically the women's racing series, which is previously uh, the W series in Formula One. Um, then the FIA all of a sudden announced that they were going to be investigating, again, without naming anybody, investigating this uh, lack of compliance or whatever with the FIA's compliance department. I didn't even know they had a compliance department, but I work in compliance as a day, a day job, so maybe there's my in. Um, the strange thing about this is pretty shortly after that, Toto Susie Mercedes posted rebuttals to said things. And then in pretty six, quick succession, all of the teams did a copy paste. So all of the teams had been talking about this, a copy paste post saying that they support Mercedes. They support formula one in this matter, et cetera, et cetera. And then about a day later, maybe day and a half later, Formula One, I think this was either this morning or last night, Formula One posted that they were dropping the investigation. I say all that to say that the speculation is, and it's no secret that F1 and the FIA haven't gotten along, especially in the last probably three to five years. There's been growing tensions for a bunch of different reasons. Um, you might remember when President of the FIA, Mohammed bin Sulaim, said that if F 
F1 ever sold again. $20 billion is way too high when he has nothing to do with F1 technically. He's the president of the regulatory body of the FIA. Um, basically, F1 and uh, the FIA don't get along very well, and this is could be the start of the F1 FIA breakup. So I just want to talk about it quickly. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that the F1, that the F1, that F1 that needs the FIA and or vice versa? I have a quick question before we get into that. Sure. Every team posted about it or were there any outliers? Uh, I, we, oh. we need to know like if there's any pending beef between the teams. Literally word for word, an exact copy pasta. They all posted the exact same thing on their own little graphic background that were their team colors, basically. Even Red Bull posted the exact same thing that said like we support formula one and um basically mercedes uh again it all went unnamed the only people that actually struck out by name were toto and Susie because it was like there's nobody else that have a relationship that is between f1 and fia like that right yeah interesting i mean i i I want to say like whoever I did see there was like a tweet or something apologizing for it. Right. From some media outlet. But I, I do think uh, it's nice to see the teams all on the same page again. You know, they haven't been this close together since uh, Nikita Mazepin was booted from the allegedly. <laughs> he was allegedly booted. I didn't see him racing last year. Allegedly. No, alleg- allegedly together. <laughs> allegedly believing in the same purpose as as race teams yeah no i mean i think to nick's point it's fun to see people we consider to be the epitome of competitive douchebags all riding together on this be like you mess with one of us you mess with us all and yeah racing but i i am also going to hold my opinion because i feel this is just the start of the story and something else is going to come out and i don't know it just feels still very vague and very unformed for me so that's why my opinion is very vague and unformed as well yeah i think uh the only thing i would say is to to your actual question of like does the f1 need the fia i don't think they specifically need the fia but i do think that having some sort of governing body body, sanctioning body like actually does help the overall growth of sports for, for the most part you know like it's kind of like if you if we we talk in NBA terms a lot, but it's like, you know, if if all of a sudden there was no like kind of proper steps to get to the NBA through whatever college know, like, G League, you know, whatever yeah, the case all that kind of stuff, then there's potential for like high school kids to go straight into the big three and throw billions of dollars in NIL deals away because somebody in the some team owner in the big three says hey just come play here you know it's like we're going to recreate the and one mixtape tour and it's like no you cannot recreate the and one mixtape tour it was a time and place that we wish we could recreate but it is not possible so don't try it don't throw away your career kind of thing and i think like we see that with a hierarchy of a lot of these racing you know especially in formula one right like there's just a lot of important things that happen and i it's not to say that the f1 couldn't do that stuff but there's a little bit of, you know, the 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 contestedness of all this stuff, I think, is actually a good thing 
as it keeps one, it keeps it from going lopsided or off course for the betterment of the sport as a whole. Yep. In my but well, doesn't it feel like I agree with you in the sense that like there needs to be an independent third party like shaping the the rules and everybody on the same page and you know not necessarily shaping the rules because i think that's all voted on by the board of f1 like the team principals and there's a whole group now it's like 30 30 representatives right but mm-hmm. there there needs to be an independent third party <clears throat> kind of managing that but it feels very much like there's so much smoke around corruption from the fia itself that it's almost worse off not doing it on its own because it doesn't have its own, like F1 would have its own best interest at heart, right? Which is also the danger of the, the what kind of what we're talking about. But right now it feels yeah. like the FIA is doing a worse job or with more corruption than F1 would do it themselves. I think that's kind of also the nature of any regulatory body, right? Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing anything and I have to follow rules that slow my growth or slow my profits, of course, I'm going to bitch about the regulatory body that, that I've got to go back and forth with. Right. I, I, I agree to a certain extent, like F F one could do this themselves. It would probably work itself out. Okay. But for fans like yourself, Todd, like we may have 40 street races and you know, team tours on the limo bus before and after every race because oh my god we can reach normal you know everyday humans that don't give a shit about racing if we put enough celebrities in front of it and i think like i know fia doesn't have anything to do with that but i think f1 being owned by liberty and like you know seeing how this is potentially just a a ploy to to get people back into the Netflix. I didn't even finish Netflix's. I haven't either. And I'm really curious to see how well this season and this upcoming season are going to do because I kind of think that bubble's burst a little. Yeah, I, I i i could I could see both sides of the argument. You know, like it's also if you're if I'm being being completely honest with myself, you know you can't not have like a married couple one on one side and one on the other and not think, you know, like we deal with it in America, looking at the Supreme court and looking at all these relationships that are shady as hell. So like, no matter how good of a person is in those roles, just being in those roles makes it convoluted and makes it complicated for the average person watching. So I think to your point, like the solution is probably for her to step down just to like, focus on the money and like everybody makes money if if we just kind of gloss this over and keep it moving and Mm -hmm. she's somehow you know totally said that in the pre-show yeah yeah, (laughs) i didn't say that yeah but like and it's not like it's not like she has to i'm just saying like for peace of mind if this is going to continue into the f1 versus fia thing at some Mm -hmm. point that's a conversation piece right Mm -hmm. but Here's the plot twist of all plot twists. And this is honest to God. What I hope all of this is a result of it's William's story somehow got his way back in with rich energy. He's planted seeds and all of this is just 
his way of being able to pull off the clown suit to begin next season as a sponsor again. <laughs> well, you you must be alluding to the post he made today, where I he is. Wait, oh no, did he really say something? No, oh my god, let me read it to you because it's oh shit, dizzy. He he himself and um and his company Rich Energy are are probably one of my favorite follows in Formula One because today he posted not from his own account but from the Rich Energy account. Uh, it's him standing next to like the 2008 um, or maybe 2010 Alpine or Renault car when it was still Renault. Uh, it says from Rich Energy HQ, Formula One engineers have been astonished at the lap times of our CEO, William Story. After testing an array of F1 cars, he is considered faster than the likes of Lance Stroll and Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, FIA super license question mark. Nice. Yep. Definitely go give that a like because wow, it's, it's I just worth played it. into that whole narrative without even knowing that it was an actual Make it narrative. So. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Also, to give context to what Nick was just talking about, the last part of that story is that just today, Susie Wolf posted like because they dropped the investigation. Susie Wolf said like that's cool and all, but I'm not giving up on this. She's a woman with vengeance. Well, yeah. here, when we heard a wolf. Being wronged and slighted, wearing a black turtleneck, saying, I'm coming for all of you. And then what did that amount to? <laughs> a whole hill and nothing. So you're saying Susie Wolf's going to do zero pods? I have a feeling that Susie Wolf wears the pants in the relationship or the turtleneck in the relationship. And if there's a wolf that's actually going to get its prey, it might be her. Because Toto didn't do shit after that debacle in Abu Dhabi. I think I think the other piece to that, too, with, with her being a part of the FIA and the women's for, formula. It's not W anymore. It's formula women's. No, it's uh, the F1 Academy. F1 Academy. Yes. Like, the shitty part about that is like, you need someone on that side to fight for it because formula one is like a bro sport of all bro sports. Right. So like if you don't have the FIA, you probably don't prioritize I could just see Formula One prioritizing money over everything, which is a scary thing. Like they would, <laughs> they would play the game of like we want, we want to race, and we, you know, like look, the, there's a whole lot of PR spent to all of this, but I think like part of that too, like that back and forth between a governing body and the growth of a sport, not just straight up for money, is an important piece of of what has to exist. Yep. But what? Sorry, I know I'm dragging this out and we're supposed to be hot takes to cool dudes. <laughs> what point does the governing body have to do with firing off this investigation, attacking the company that it regulates, being Susie Wolf in um, F1 management, and then one of your team principals? Because that's oh. like, it, because that happened, it's pretty clear now that this story that was leaked came from the FIA and it's attacking the company. It regulates F1, AKA Susie and one of the teams. It to me, it's, it's one of those things from that. There's nothing to gain. In fact, yeah. I'm going to use a terrible analogy. Cause that's what I do. If you're in a relationship and somebody says, I'm going to divorce you. or I'm going to break up with you. That's something that can't be unsaid. Your relationship might be great after the fact, but because somebody's introduced that notion, the Schrodinger's cat of it all, 
it's now weighing in the back of your mind with every single decision that you make. I'm wondering, is this the first domino to fall for some sort of major structure shakeup that's going to happen? It's just we won't see it until five, 10 years down the line where somebody's going to write a scathing tell-all because that's the impression I get. There's no value for the FIA to do this because there's it's now out in people's minds. Susie feels wronged. All the other teams feel somewhat wrong because if they're aligning with Susie and Toto and all this, then like what gives? There's no benefit to me about this leaking unless they're planning on disassociating themselves between the two entities. So so I think I think this is like this boils down to like office drama type of shit, right? Like somebody didn't like somebody brought her the wrong she she was brought the wrong coffee or she bought the wrong coffee for somebody and all of a sudden it spins out of control and like they're trying to th- show their authority right by even saying something when in reality if you shouldn't be saying something public you publicly you should actually just be making sure that your shit is under control and i think it's also like a, an important point like the relationship thing i've been in a relationship with someone in the past where the breakup aspect of it was what turned them on so like there are people that are just out there looking for drama that cause these types of problems and i don't know that it's the fia or f1 but like we talk about it every time we record after every race how dramatic and how blown out all this shit is and who knows where that actually stems from if it's actual you know people within the fia this time or if it's you know just carrying on the tradition of like you know over dramatizing racing because they think that that's a way to keep people you know what i'm saying like yep. this is something that could have easily been like oh my god we didn't see the numbers on the last race that we needed what can we do to get the buzz up this week like yep. i wouldn't put it past anyone that works on on this type of stuff at this level to do this kind of thing we know that it happens we we you know there are agencies that literally make this happen for you know, big entertainment companies in order to keep their name buzzing throughout downtimes. So Kardashians, I mean, they, they do it on their own. They're, they've got to figure <laughs> it out. That's the thing. Like, well, it's your bad relationship, Robbie, Nick. I wanted it. <laughs> it was me. Thanks a lot. Nick. I'm sorry. That sorry <laughs> I gave you the best uh, three years in my hot takes with cool dudes. Can we talk about how to some cool dudes now? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Ro, are you going to run this? Are, we gonna, are you going to read them off? Yeah, I can run it. But okay. I think, thank you for bringing this up because I do think this is going to have long-term tentacles and ramifications, even if it gets swept under the rug like the FIA is hoping. I have to make sure I use the right organization that's hoping to get it. Yep. So, one to watch. And I think this will probably be in the backdrop of the Formula One offseason for the majority of the time, if not at the very first race. So I think it needed to be done. But now, enough of the serious talk. As a man once said in Fast Furious 5, woman, you know I like my dessert first. Give me the dessert. So that's what we're going to do. It is the Hot Takes Extinguisher episode where we are going to see who truly knew the pulse of the sport, the pulse of the community, the pulse of the grid. Each one of us had come up with, I believe, anywhere between five to eight hot takes. And we've done this now for three years in a row where there's nothing too absurd, nothing too hopelessly out of touch. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is not only predict the future, but make our fellow co-host giggle with glee. I think that's pretty much it, guys. Am I missing anything on top of that? I think that's it. I like how much you hyped it up. 
little foreshadowing on who actually knows what the. Who, 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 who I had to guess based on my uh, fantasy performance, so we'll see. <laughs> I'm gonna call you out though, Ralph, because every year we say five hot takes, and then you come with like eight. You just put them on the spreadsheet, like it's like, oh yeah, all right, we're gonna do eight now. We're gonna do eight. It's what I do. Okay, I'm a one upper. In all fairness, I think Todd has eight on the spreadsheet this year too. So I I had to compete, man. He's out here flashing his hog. I gotta like show up. I I am a shower and Todd is a grower because he started with five and now he has eight. Am I right, ladies? God, if only. <laughs> and that sound you hear is the last one of our female listeners dropping off. So thank you. Sorry, Stephanie. Sorry, Miss Stephanie. I'm going right, to keep go. saying her name on the podcast until she comes on. Okay, I will let her know. And if my wife loses her job because of it, that's just a unintended consequence. So lateral damage, collateral damage, like Lance Stroll driving into the side of your favorite driver. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get started. Nick, do you want to take us through all your takes and then we can just give you our snapshot? Because I think every one of us had good takes. It's just how good were the takes? If that Should we go sense. one, one, one? Yeah, let's, let's do one, that. One, In one. fact, yeah, let's do that. So, Nick, I'll just go down the list for each one of us. Your first hot take was Haas will get a podium. Our comments during the season, i.e. just one, was, we'll keep this one for now. It is now the end of the season. I do not think Haas got a podium. How are you feeling about this hot take? I approach my love for Haas and Lando Norris the same way I do the roulette table. So I'm just going to leave it on the table until it hits, and then I'll okay. walk away when I run out of money. Excellent. I that's like a it. double. That's a double zero type of bet right there. That is a double yeah. zero type of bet. Thirty-three to one odds. So you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. Yep. I'm going to call this man Passenger Fifty Seven because he bet it all on black. <laughs> was that the Wesley Snipes movie where he was in the airplane? Yeah. <laughs> but I think it actually had that t- some similar type of. That was that was a little sentence on the front of the VHS yeah. tape. Yeah. Yeah. All right, passenger 58, Todd Yates, what do you want to talk about? Your first one was Sergio gets replacement season, preferably by DR, who will still have the same gap to Max as Sir, uh, Sir, ah, as Sergio did. How are you feeling about that? We've we, we got to mention the trimester update on that one is a simple nah. nah. Yeah, thank you. That is very true. Well, he did shit the bed for the second half of the season for the most part. Right. I mean, like, that's where his real struggles were. Um, I, I'm just going to say that we we talked about it again last last episode. Um, there was, a, a, again, a rumor. We love our F1 rumors. But there's a uh, contingent in, in Danny Rick's contract with AlphaTauri slash Red Bull that if Checo doesn't, or if he's continuing to struggle into the beginning of the year, that Danny Rick gets a seat. So I think I'm right. Just not yet. So do you want to port this over to next year's hot take? Oh, hundred percent. Okay. I'll, I'll make that comment. Porting over to next. I don't want to give too much information to the listeners to have them leave too early, but I'm just going to say that I think that I'm just not right yet is a very fair bet to place on the rest of our hot takes being the, the response that we all have for them, right? That is the beauty of a hot take. 
you can let them simmer, but then they will turn into a raging inferno if done right. Whoever was saying that like the Wall 2K was like Armageddon or whatever, they're right. It's just not right yet, right? Yeah. Okay, because in 1999, they were like, hey, in 2023, it's going to be pretty fucking wild. They were pretty, yeah, yeah. It is, but not in the way you would think. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So then moving on to my first hot take, which was Lando Norris will have the highest percentage of his team's points more than any other driver. And for context, Valtteri Bottas accounted for 90% of Alfa Romeo's in 2022, and Lando was at 77%. Now, this one did not come through for me because Lando only scored 74% of his team's points. But the thing that was most startling to me was percentages, uh, 96% of their points accumulated by one driver, Alex Albon, who I'm a fan of, but does this mean that Oscar Piastri is 3% better than Danny Rick? I ask you both. Thick Rick is sick. Uh, no, I, I don't know. That's a hard question to ask. Like trajectory wise. Yeah. I'd pick at Oscar Piastri, but put Danny Rick in a competitive car again. And let's see what happens. And for your take, that might happen next year. So this is how we do the hot hot takes together. (laughs) No, I mean, like, but the final race of the season, AlphaTauri got huge upgrades, including a new floor, and they were pretty fast. So maybe even an AlphaTauri next year, Danny Rick goes goes right. What do you think? Are are you you're going? I mean, until until Oscar Piastri has a hot and steamy romance novel written about him. He's nowhere near Danny. By the way, book two is out. Book book two of 69 is out. So (laughs) Anita Driver might actually follow through on the 69 novels that she promised. Amazing. Yep. There it is. Overtake my heart, stocking stuffer in the literal and the figurative sense. Yeah. (laughs) Physical sense. Links in the description. All right. Moving on to the next hot take. Nicholas Joseph Engel. Uh I want to come back to on that one next season. Yeah, Williams at ninety six percent. It would be it'd be interesting to actually see if there's ever been a higher percentage. I know that there's going to be a hundred percent to zero because some drivers never scored, but like that's a pretty dominant statistic if you're looking at like drivers that actually scored points on the same team. I don't know if we've ever seen like that drastic of a difference. No, I mean, would you consider then, by all intents and purposes, Alex Albon is truly a one-man team, which is what every successful driver thinks they are? I mean, yeah. As as we as we've said many times since he uh, he pulled it off, I feel like Logan Sargent literally just like fell off the skateboard into the points somehow. You know, like. All righty, going on to <laughs> the next hot take, Nicholas Fernando Alonso. I think your original hot take was Fernando Alonso will achieve a podium. And then that first half of the season, he did more than just that. So I think you upgraded it to Fernando Alonso will get a win. Now, I think if you ask Fernando, he would think that this hot take has come to fruition. But alas, it wasn't to be. I think this one's good. I have a feeling he's going to pull one out within the next 18 months. I don't have much faith in this going forward. I feel like Aston Martin had like their chance at the beginning of this season and completely fell off. And I just don't see them. I don't see them coming back around to be honest. Like, I don't know. I'd love for them to prove me wrong though. Cause it would mean some pretty interesting racing was going on next season. He didn't get a win, but he did get the FIA award ceremony 
Action of the Year award with him and Checo. I want to know who won the uh huh for the Brazil finish, in which he did not appear, but he did record a pre-recorded video and thanked Checo because he said for. <laughs> I can't even remember what it what it was, but something about like for good motor racing, you need a partner. And thanks, thank Checo. And then they awkwardly pant to Checo sitting at a table, just like. Oh and man! Checo was Bruce Buffer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bruce Buffer's veering in his face. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, that's oh. that's that's rough. That's rough. I feel for Checo, man. That's. <laughs> I just want to put his face right after that announcement on loop and like put that on my phone. It would make me happy every day. <laughs> You know what makes me happy? The next hot take, which was Todd Yates saying Hulk will finally podium. Uh, much like Nick just said, if Aston's on its probably way to having a step back sort of year, um, Hulk, I think that was, and uh, Trev's going to love this, I think that was probably his last shot. They had a quick car at times. And they had a couple of chaotic races where they could have stumbled into the, you know, higher into the points slash a podium. I don't see it unless he journeyman's his way to yet another team. And I don't think any team would take him. Like McLaren's not taking him. Mercedes would not take him. Red Bull. Do you think he could be the second Red Bull driver? Like that might be the only way he gets it. But that's a very low bar. Actually, that's a really interesting thought experiment, but. Hulk has the perfect kind of uh, suck my balls attitude, if you will, <laughs> to steal a little line from his partner, K-Mag. But they definitely had beef prior to going into that team, and now they seem to get along fine, and they're both kind of like, don't take any kind of crap attitude. I could see Hulk being a good... I don't think he has a pace. He doesn't even have Checo's pace. Uh, I don't think he has the pace to be the number two Red Bull driver, but he definitely gets some podiums. And he'd be able to deal with the chamber of fear that is Red Bull now. God, that would be so entertaining. I think maybe if long roundabout way, he could end up on Sauber slash Audi if they do actually come through with joining Formula One, uh, given the the German ties. And maybe that way, if Audi becomes good. That just put like the ultimate dream scenario for a one-two team. And like the after race commentary, if you're new to Formula One, go back and listen to some Kimi Raikkonen after race commentary. (laughs) Him like talking about no shit, taking no shit. He would be amazing right now with someone like Max to just like the questions that people would ask, would they would just be ridiculed into nothing. It would be amazing. What was Kimi's relationship with Fernando? Did they ever have any sort of moments together or any overlap? Because I feel like that's true, true alphas, part of, uh, to borrow the bad punning. Like, I would love to be a fly in the wall to see what they would, because I would feel like Fernando would try to overwhelm him with his credentials, and Kimmy would just stare a dagger through his heart. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to say? But it's not even staring a dagger, because he doesn't look menacing. He just doesn't give a fuck, like, yeah, period, about anything. If you don't give a fuck for that long, eventually it just becomes menacing, because you're like, what do I say to this guy? Like, I need to get some sort of human emotion out of him, and he just stares back at me. That's menacing. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Come back, Kimmy. Come back. Sorry to wrap that up. Yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely take that off the list for next year. I don't think Hulk's 
Good to see okay. you. Hug. Okay. Uh, next one. Lewis Hamilton will go a second straight year without winning a race. Not a hot take. Not a hot take if it's true. Um, I'm almost tempted to go a third year just to see how long I can bang that drum and be the apple of Team LH's eye on social media. That's a <laughs> that's a bold move. Let's see if it pays off, Cotton. It's, do we see... Cause Based on our last episode, we talked about the fact that it finally seems that Lewis Hamilton's got a slight better measure of not only the car, but of his fellow Mercedes driver, George Russell. Like, are we imagining that the gap between the two of them will be even wider next year? Because now we've gone through that Lewis Hamilton off year. I could actually, I think next year is going to be more competitive all the way across the board. Okay. Uh, That's just me personally. I feel like McLaren, Mercedes... I mean, depends on Ferrari's pit strategy, but like, I think all these teams made significant improvements. The car is not going to change change enough for it to be like drastic. But you know, like, I, I we we wouldn't have expected any of these teams to like actually be competitive with Max at any point in the season, two three two three races into this year. And I think there were probably times where we all thought someone might have a chance to 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 go at max a little bit and like that that improvement is enough for all these teams to like kind of keep going mm-hmm. and honestly lewis i feel like i feel like once you once you're at the level that lewis is at yeah i would say this about fernando too like you can't count either one of those guys out even with shit cars even with the worst of you know pit strategy or whatever because they've already been through it all and like chaos happens, and those are the types of guys that just like find a way to win. That's fair. Speaking of ch- challenging Max for next year, I think this might be another one that gets ported over. Nick, you said Lando Norris will get his first win. Alas, it did not happen, but I do think he drove in the right direction, especially at the tail end of the season. How are you feeling about this particular prediction? Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely transfer this one over. I feel like Todd had the same prediction as well i feel i I think this is just inevitable at some point and the last half of this season just makes me want to go even you know like i would even say like next year maybe there's two wins or three wins for for lando perfect uh so todd's next one we kind of already covered because he said nando gets a win and we talked about fernando alonso so i'll just skip that one and go directly into green bull is the very best of the rest close to mercedes making the prediction that they would be P2. And I think for a while that was going to come to fruition. But then what happened with Aston Martin that let them kind of sink like a stone to you, Todd? Mm, the green ball magic wore, wore off, I guess. I would definitely take this one off off the list for next year. I agree with Nick. I think if there was a chance for them to get the win, I think it was the beginning of this year. Um, and their development cycle, whatever it was, uh, apparently seemed to only get worse. Uh, whatever they were doing was not correlating with the wind tunnel. So the car definitely fell off. And I think, uh, yeah, I, if we see Fernando Alonso racing in 2025, maybe put this back on. But I don't see Aston being very good. Um next year so fair enough nick anything else sad from the aston martin perspective 
No, I think I feel the same way. I mean, I, I, I think there's always a little bit of a wild card with, with Fernando Alonso, just because he does have like the, the winning attitude and the craziness to make something crazy happen. But I think the team itself is going to be in a, a much rougher spot moving forward. Cause it didn't, I mean, we, t- I think we talked about this, but Lawrence strolls selling off part of the team or whatever, there's that change just usually doesn't go smooth. And, you know, unless you're Ross Braun, you never win a championship in the midst of chaotic ownership changes. So, so <laughs> speaking of chaotic uh, takes and just not good takes, I had one. This is a hot take in terms of the audacity of it. But when the actual rubber met the road, this flamed out. Pierre, uh, Pierre, Pierre Gasly will score more points than all the other new drivers on the grid combined. And I had listed new as Alonzo essentially anybody that had either switched teams or joined the sport for the very first time, Alonzo Hulkenberg, Piastri, Sergeant DeVries. Now to my defense, I had the right concept. I just picked the wrong driver because if I had subbed out Fernando Alonso, he scored 206. Whereas every other new driver, including Liam Lawson, who we did not see joining us in the Formula one season, but did eventually join. They all scored 171. Well, how many points did Pierre Gasly have? Pierre Gasly himself, let me look that up in Formula One. But as we were kind of talking, I believe he had 62 to Ocon's 58. And I'm just going off the top of my head for that. Let me confirm. Gasly did, in fact, have 62 out of the 58, uh, 62 to Ocon's 58. So almost a third of the rest of the ones combined minus Alonso. I mean, Alonso truly, I think we're going to lose sight initially of how good Fernando was at the start of the year. But shame on me for doubting the race god that is Fernando Alonso. He clearly still knows what he's doing. And I do think if there's somebody that's going to race until they're 50, I think it's Fernando before any other driver on this grid. So the the combination was 171. Yes. Uh, Gasly oh. plus Hulkenberg plus Piastri plus Sargent plus DeVries plus Lawson. Hell, I, I didn't even account for Danny Rake. Let's throw him on there. They still did not get close to Fernando Alonso by himself. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That that basically means like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, if you go with someone like Max or Sergio, like you're, you're easily over that. But Lewis, Fernando, Charles, Lando, Signs, and Russell all would have beat that spread from, yeah. from the, the changing teams and new drivers. So. Big separation between like that, uh, like we talked about on the last episode. It's it's kind of crazy how good those like top eight to ten drivers were compared to the bottom. The upper middle class has probably never been richer in Formula One, where we're yeah. not giving them upper class status the way Max is, and even to a lesser extent Sergio. But to your point, essentially everybody in Ferrari, everybody in Mercedes, and Lando, like that to me mm-hmm. represents the upper middle class. And that seems to be the most concentrated and most tightly contested section of the grid. Got to have a car to score the points. Got to have a car to score the points. Speaking of points, uh, let's go to Nick's next one. Andretti will join Formula One. So this is kind of like... (laughs) It's half right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, technically, yes. Uh, They are approved, right? But there's no real chance it, i don't even have an analogy to explain like what this actually means like yes you can have dinner but it's in the freezer and you can't eat it something like that yep i'll give you the point because 
if we did not specify what joining Formula One means, we didn't say that meant like having two cars on the grid at the start of next year. So I am willing to give you the points on this. I, I so I, I'm going to rant a second here. This I so I so this just goes back to I want Formula One to make the cars smaller. If the cars were smaller, you had a couple more teams on the grid. You could race at more tracks. There's more tracks that are there's more like amazing tracks out there that they could race at and the racing would be more competitive, right? Like imagine if like we talk so much about Vegas being such a great race and and a real surprise to us all. Imagine if all these guys had two more teams on the grid. Yes, it seems insane for 24 cars when you think of Formula One. But if you go to the FIA's other racing, you know, bodies that, you know, like World Endurance Challenge, You've got four different classes on the track at the same time at these on, in some cases, these same tracks, because like not all the cars are 80,000 feet long. And, you know, like to me, that's 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 what would make this so interesting. Right. Like to to pull in these other like legacy racers like mm-hmm. Andretti. I mean, even like looking at like some of the teams that like we, we talked about, I guess it was pre-show, but like Sebastian Buemi and, and some of these other teams were like whether it's FIA, like the World Endurance Challenge, or if it's IndyCar, all these other bodies where we have really talented drivers. But like, because the cars are so big for Formula One now, and they're so long, you don't have the opportunity for for these drivers to pass each other. And I think like, we kind of made a step in the right direction with all of the changes, obviously for that upper middle class. But like, if those cars are, are you know, three to four feet shorter, and like, you put a couple more of them out there, it becomes way more entertaining in my opinion. And I don't know, I'll get off my soapbox with that, but I understand. agree. You brought up the world endurance championship, um, the Toyota Kazoo team winning, but those cars in that class, I don't, it's not the hypercar class, but it's like the LMP one, whatever. Those cars are like two, two and a half feet shorter and they look massive on track. Yeah. Yep. But they're like two and a half feet shorter than an F1 car is now. It's yeah. just so wild. It's like the Cybertruck compared to, uh, you know, a full-size F-150. Uh, it's, it's crazy. But I Appreciate think it. going back to the, the, the take, the take, yeah, yeah. Andretti did get approved to join Formula One, but Formula One can't get out of its own way um, because they all are money-hungry and don't understand the long long-term play of another team will bring more interest. More interest will bring more money. We don't want to split the pie now, but we could and have a bigger pie later. They've already signed a too big of a contract with Wayne Newton's hologram for next season in Vegas. So they can't afford to bring in other teams. That's (laughs) speaking of bringing in uh, questionable people, Todd Yates, your next hot take. (laughs) Dr. Evil says something racist in an Austrian newspaper. Now I maintain this is not a hot take. It's a normal occurrence. Wow, I'm really off my pronunciation today. It's a normal occurrence. Talk to me about how you're feeling about this because I feel like this one not only gets ported over for next year, as long as that man is living and breathing, it's getting ported over. He Hence, might come back from the dead and say something racist in an Austrian newspaper. The ghost. If a hologram makes it a racist take, <laughs> is that more racist than the actual human saying it? Yes. Yes, 100%. Hologram saying it makes it more racist. Perfect. Um, he did, in fact, and have to apologize. I think to Sergio for saying something horrible 
I don't even remember what it was, but this is as much of a hot take as yours, Lewis Hamilton, will go second straight. We are without a win. Uh, so I, here's the thing. I'm going to push back on that because when I made the Lewis Hamilton will go a second straight year without winning a race, you both kind of looked at me like, eh, maybe, but we both were kind of needling you about this, Todd, where it's like, he says things all the time. Sometimes they're racist. Sometimes they're sexist. Like, how about this? The hot take next year is he doesn't say anything questionable for the entire calendar year of Formula One. That would be a hot take. And I might actually do that because I feel like he's had enough in the past few years where he's just like, he's like one of those old cranky codger types. that's just like, fuck me, I won't say anything at all then. I thought this was Austria. I mean, look, I, I don't want to give him any excuses. But I do think, and I don't want to wish death upon anyone either. I do think when, <laughs> With all he, when, he, <laughs> when he kicks the bucket, the way that it's going to come back is it's going to be like resurfaced audio from an interview that was never published saying some ignorant racist shit again. And yeah. we'll still have this conversation whenever that happens. So it technically would still be right posthumously. <laughs> yes, exactly. God damn the paper trail that Helmet Marco leaves us. Uh, next hot take was Red Bull will score 800 plus points in the Constructors Championship. It's funny that that felt like a hot take at the time, and then they went yeah. way past 800. Yeah. Max alone scored, what, 600? Five something, I think. Five, six, 575. Eight. Maybe that's my hot take next year. Max is going to score 600. So win one more race. <laughs> yeah. That would be a hot take. Wow. Yeah, that's that's insane to think about. You know what we need to do? We need to do like a uh, a pro tips for new fans to Formula One. And like the entire thing should be about we don't care about who lands on the first podium. We care about two, three and below. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next year for the fantasy draft. Nobody gets to pick Max Verstappen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would make it all hell of a lot more interesting. And. If we had Andretti on the grid, then we could just exclude the top two drivers and still have our teams of teams of four. Yep. Some, somebody get us in touch with the Wolves. The Wolves. They're on, they're on both sides of this. Obviously, they have they control all they, the power. I have it. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Speaking of have it, Nick, you had called out the prediction that Max will have the championship in Singapore. Now, I think what actually ended up happening was he clinched in Qatar during the sprint race. But Singapore did not feel that out of reason coming out of the midway portion of this current season. Like, do you think next year, A, he wins again, which in all likelihood is going to happen? Do you feel confidence setting Singapore as the marker? Or do you want to go past that or go even further back into the start of the season? I, I honestly, uh, this is a, a very hopeful hot take. I don't think Max is going to be as dominant next year. I think that somebody will rise from the ashes and give him a little bit of a... A boot up the old butt. Roman yeah. Grosjean, perhaps? The Phoenix himself? Oh, there you go. Yeah, there. <laughs> Four Andretti or Audi? Oh, wait, that's 26. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's a, if there's a real hot take around this one because it's like predicting anything about Max... And saying anything other than he's going to be dominant is kind of just dumb, not a hot take. I would I mean, say I think, it's around Qatar again. Yeah, I think Qatar feels right. And I think, didn't they just release the sprint schedule for next year? And it seems like there's more sprint races. No, they swapped to, I okay. think it's uh, 
Shanghai and Vegas is now a sprint race, and they took away. I, I don't remember vamp while I looked that up. I will definitely vamp because at this point, I do think the sprint races in a way are good because they don't prolong the inevitable. I was very happy to be like, okay, he's won it now. I don't have to hear about this again. And then the more interesting parts of the season started to blossom like a beautiful flower, which was that midfield battle and that upper middle class battle as well. So was that enough vamping or should I keep going, Todd? No, it's perfect. We have uh, the Chinese Grand Prix, Miami, Austria, uh, U.S. Grand Prix. Sao Paulo Grand Prix and Qatar. Okay. Qatar stays as a sprint. Maybe uh, that's the barometer for next year's max dominance. All right. Moving on. Todd, you had said he would wrap up the title in Holland in a hot take that was extinguished, I think, at the midseason review. So I will go to your next hot take, which is Lewis is going to retire. <laughs> yeah. Mate, he's slowly turning into to Nando in this, in this way. He said... I think pretty recently that he feels like he's going to race until he gets another title or something of that ilk. So I could see him racing until Max gets bored in like 28 and decides to retire. And then he finally is like, all right, well, I don't have any more competition. And then he retires. I think what he should do is he should stay retired for as long as Max is on the grid. And then the minute Max retires, he comes back. That'd be the most petty shit ever. <laughs> I I mean I love that he actually came out and, and said this though. Like I think we talked a little bit about it in one of the previous episodes. I really think that 2021 kind of fucked him up mentally. Like it's hard to say that about these guys who are like stone cold killers on the track, but like it really is like obvious that Lewis was more in touch with himself this year and like feeling the ups and downs in the right ways where like last year, he just seemed like out of character. He seems much more back to himself on the track, regardless of some of the other, you know, like obviously you have like, you know, some, some shitty times throughout the season, but even with the, the struggles of the car early on, I feel like he, he, he's much more confident than he was in 2022, which to me, that's like, obviously, I'm a Lewis fan. I would love to see him win another championship. But if I take that out of the equation, I think he is one of the best people for the sport of racing. So I would love for him to stick around in a car as long as he can. But I hope he I hope he starts a team or owns a team or whatever, because he's just an important person to for the sport to, to like really grow in the right directions. I mean, it's tough being the boogeyman and then getting relegated to the people that are scared of the boogeyman. And that's what's happened with him, where like he is the same one that we were speaking about in hushed tones in terms of his dominance, that now we use those same hushed tones to talk about Max. And I do think he's taken a turn for the positive where he gets it now. So now he operates with a little bit more efficiency and a little bit more of... I don't know if this concept exists in racing, but old man game, like he's not going to beat people with speed as much as he is going to beat them with his head and his IQ and his positioning. So that's where I hope I'm wrong. And I hope he does squeeze another win out because I think that will be as important to him as it is to the people that are fans of racing, because it does feel strange to just constantly in this sense, two years go with no sort of remnants of Lewis's domination. I think if they 
the engineering team and him have a little kumbaya and they build a fast car, we could forget all about 21 real quick. Right. It'll just be a bump in the road and he's fighting for another title. And really, I feel like that's all he wants to do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think if obviously we don't want another Abu Dhabi 21 to happen, but if he'd lost, he got second again in a season w- without the shenanigans, then I think he'd feel just fine about that. But like it, and I think that comes down to like the old man game. I don't th- think it would be like a passing a torch type of moment where Max wins his what fourth title. But it would just be like, all right, I'm good. Now I can just race for fun and go put my ass in a stream like Terry or or something. Uh, have his Thanos moment that after he's done the snap, he's just sitting there like, I can finally tend to this garden, these hoes. Maybe he'll date another pussycat doll. Who knows? Is there another pussycat doll? Like, you know how they talk about in like the 1950s, it was like Gladys Knight and the Pips and person and then their backing band. I feel the pussycat dolls are the modern day equivalent of that. It's just Nicole Schrenzinger or however the hell you pronounce it never was clever enough to be like, it's got to be Nicole and the pussycats. But maybe that sounds too much like Josie and the pussycats and I've already gone down this road. So I'm going to try to rein this back in and go back to my next hot take, which was up to five drivers will leave their current seat. And I think as Todd pointed out last episode, nobody is switching seats this year. So that was a fail. Even Logan Private got a seat for 24 I salute you, Logan. The biggest hustle is the one that can be extended over multiple seasons. And now that Latifi's gone, I'm glad to see the North America still holds the title. (laughs) I think I I didn't go ahead. I think that's a really interesting. I don't I can't remember the last time that no drivers changed seats. That's a really good question. I mean, to, to be fair, we did have some changes at the end of the season that were like kind of made with like next year in mind. Right. Like I think Danny Rick and Checo Checo. Well, yeah, well, I don't know. I guess not. Uh, the breeze happened mid season, which was a legitimate sea change. Uh, oh, okay. And a legit surprise. I think even as shitty as he was driving. Well, yeah, I was a surprise at the timing maybe. Right. Yeah. Just cause it was so early. And one other thing I'll say is I had the boldness to list out who the five drivers were. So I had Hamilton, Perez, Yuki, Albon, Joe. I think Hamilton, there were talks about retirement. So that was maybe a maybe. I mean, we've beaten the Perez horse into the ground. Yuki had a resurgence, as we talked about last episode, where he vanquished three different uh, racers on his team. Albon just continues to be per a power pole that Nick had kind of put in the group thread for us. The fourth most important driver of the year, the fourth best per Formula One's own internal evaluation. And then Guan Yu Zhou is doing his best Antonio Giovinazzi impression where he's just on the grid. He's just chilling. New hair who dis. New hair who dis, a.k.a. the spider. <laughs> yeah. uh, go ahead. I, don't, I, think we'll, uh, I think we will see... Fair amount next year. It just felt like a calm before the storm waiting for the regulation changes. Listeners, because I love you so much, I'm going to give you one of my hot takes for next year already right now. I think two entire teams will be completely different next year. Wow. Write that down so we don't forget. Oh, it's it's up here. It's a steel trap. Okay. All right. And as Todd pointed out, because I am a jerk, I have a couple more extra hot takes, but... 
we'll just quickly power through those and then we'll give you your time back listener because we want you to come up with hot takes for next year as well. And we figure if we give you a runway of about four months, you guys will probably come up with something as good as ours, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, so my next call out was Ferrari will have the closest gap between drivers with signs scoring more. I was partially right. I think when it was all said and done, Charles Leclerc had six more points than Carlos. And that could be attributed to the fact that he drove very well at the end of the year. Like, how are we going to evaluate that competitive balance? And I know this is kind of leaning into the previous episode that we did, but do we feel that's going to change at all next year? Go ahead. Uh, trying to think. I No, I don't think so. I think Ferrari's going to continue to do what they do, right? The blunder pit strategy or race strategy or car building, you know, whatever they do. I think that'll continue to be their MO. I, don't, I think it's going to take another year for that to be fully Freddie Boy's team, assuming he makes it that long and they don't replace a midseason with another random team principal. Hire Gunter Steiner Ferrari and thank yeah. me later. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think of who might have the closest gap between drivers next year. I would probably say McLaren. Oscar seems to be the real deal. That's a big leap. I know that Lando is probably the best driver that isn't in one of the top three teams. And I I don't know why I'm excluding McLaren from the top three teams, given their end of season form. But I would say, based on his performance this year and his cool as a cucumber attitude, just laid back Australian Bondi Beach, what a, what a do kind of thing. Uh, I would say that that they probably have an even better year now that he's got his feet on the ground, Appreciate and it. they have the closest gap between Appreciate between teammates. One, one other post-it note at the end of this particular hot take. Ferrari had the closest gap between theirs. Number two was Alpine, where we mentioned earlier, Gasly scored 62 to Ocon's 58. That's a fairly close gap. And I think next year we'll see the opposite, where I think Ocon will take him, but it won't be by a very big margin at all. Ratatouille's not going to perform. You, you, okay, that, that, that feels quite spicy. Remember that. Write that one down. <laughs> I, I have a question. So if we don't think things are changing... What's the point of watching next season? I'm I'm being facetious, obviously, for myself, but like it's kind of funny that like there's no driver changes. We don't really expect much to be different in like the rank, the competitiveness. It's like, you know, it's trickle down economics basically for Formula One next year. Like they just expect like the Yeah, I don't know. And I think this is the point to me that will gauge how much of this interest in formula one right now is a fad versus it actually being absorbed into our american culture because to your point nick so much of america's current history with formula one has been characterized by frequent driver movement competitive racing in terms of literally anybody could win a particular race but now we're in the throngs of the max era and he wins almost every race 
And we don't have any driver movement coming into next year. So this is a rerun of a season. And I'm very interested to see what the Formula One drive to survive looks like two years from now, because that's not going to be that exciting to cut new storylines that I can think of unless they incorporate the FIA stuff that we talked about earlier in this episode. The the reasons to watch, I'll give them to you. The Alpine drivers are going to run into each other. Lance Stroll is going to run into somebody. There will be chaotic races in the wet. Well, again, Lance Stroll has a, a great race. Um, the battle for the midfield is always entertaining. Like you can pay attention and not P1. And generally, thanks to the bad F, F1 TV direction, you see some of that now. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Yuki going apeshit on the radio. Although he is a little bit better about that now. There, there's tons of reasons to watch. The yeah, spectacle uh, that I hate, <laughs> everyone else seems to enjoy. We're going to have more, you know, Shaq pulling up in a Cadillac, more Michael Buffer moments. Bruce, please, please oh, don't, don't, don't drag Michael into this. We're going to have more Alan Cool J intros where he's like, yeah. he was his teammate's childhood friend turned enemy Esteban Ocon. Like, there's more to that dude than just being an also ran at somebody else's introduction. Let's do better, LL. No, that was perfect. I mean, LL did get a, a commercial spot for the NBA in-season tournament, too, so I don't know. Maybe he's... I enjoy that version of yeah. Mama Said Knock You Out, but I don't know if that's more him or the fact that the Roots are the backing band. Yeah, exactly. Alright, we have one last hot take, which I had called out that there would be only four race winners this season. Max, Checo, Russell, and Charles. We actually ended up with three. Max, Checo, and Carlos from Ferrari. Like, do we see over-under, because it can't be an episode until I give you a convoluted over-under, over-under three and a half race winners next year? I'll take the over. I'm taking the over as well. Okay, good. And speaking of over-unders, this is the last thing. We had made a bet about probably this podcast's official favorite driver, which is one Danny Ricardo. Shout-outs to Todd. Shout-outs to Nick. Shout-outs to Miss Stephanie. And we had just set the racing line, if you will, of one and a half races he would run this year. Two of us took the under. One of us took the over. Now, as co-fan club presidents of the Danny Rook fan club, what were you guys thinking of taking the under? I didn't think... Cut the episode. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. All right, thanks. You can, if you can check us out on exhaustos.fm, all the platforms. Uh, you know, it, I don't remember at what point in the season that we made this bet, but it didn't feel like at that time that Danny Rick was going to get the seat. And then they shit can Nick DeBreeze. So, and now he's going to Harvard. So, by us making a bet, we have furthered this boy's education. Cut the check. I'm okay with that. Cut that check. CTC. You pay for your schooling and pay for our recording equipment. And Nick DeVries, you're good in my book. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. I'd like to call out the second bet. Yes. Talk about it. <laughs> the juice box bet. I don't even remember what the bet was. Who was going to stay on the team this year? Ah, for yes. Atari. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, or, I, no, actually, I take that back because correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. You said Yuki would leave the team, and Todd, you said Nick DeVries would leave the team. Yes. So and I said Yuki would leave the team. Yes, you did. That you were there's an episode in the Google the sheet. Back. It is in the Google sheet. Said the gospel. <laughs> All right. So, what kind of juice boxes do I need to order? Uh, 
the ecto coolers, please. That's an that's an amazing choice. <laughs> if you could find them, probably like a twenty five year old box on eBay. <laughs> Do not drink. Warning on it. We did, I'm looking it up right now. Keep going. We did actually come across some uh, the Kool Aid burst top. Oh, wow! At, at the grocery store the other day. So I mean, we didn't did, buy them, but we did should've. you when you drank those? If they weren't like ice, ice cold, that thing was like acid on your throat. Like it burned. <laughs> I don't. was like no the no, the, the, the twist top Kool Aid. Kool Aid Yeah. Squeeze those were, By the way, there are a couple of them. The cheapest one is a hundred dollars for ectoplasm, ecto cooler, yeah. ecto cooler. I'm sorry, well, let me do I'm that. I typed ectoplasm. It autocorrected it for me. Ecto cooler juice, vamping, vamping, vamping. Everybody wants to hear me. I mean, we say. can just, we can just, we can just like roll this bet over into next season, and whoever loses has to drink ectoplasm, not ecto cooler. <laughs> Well, Ecto-cooler ecto is a lot cheaper because that ectoplasm was going upwards of 400. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think the last thing that we didn't talk about, uh, it's fantasy. Did we talk about that on the last episode? We, we, we said we were going to update it. And I think you, I thought you gave the results out of who won and you were no, we using this as pre-episode. So. Pre-episode. So go ahead, Todd. Fake surprise what you're going to fake surprise. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just do. I, I do want to call out that I we all just received uh, a text message from one Iron Trev saying, when are we doing those fantasy trades? Which is hilarious timing. Hilarious timing. We'll do them next year when we redraft the entire league, Trevor. Yes, we're going to redo them next year. Um, but just a quick uh, end note that... Um, while I vamp, while I'm pulling up the fantasy um, from last guess- year, the official F1 Exhaust Notes podcast league, uh, in P3, we had the Trav Pete. He always is at the top. Congrats always. on P3. In uh, P2, we had Terry Bot Ass, aka AA Ron. Uh, congrats. And by a slim six points. We had uh, Michael Schusmacher, which uh, actually was me. So I won fantasy. Take that, bitches. Yep. I won the hot takes. You did win the hot takes. I wish you would have gotten I a little won, more. I won the uh, comeback fantasy player of the year award by moving up to sixth from like. You did from like 13th. Right. Yeah. No, I was going to say, Nick, you won it live because this is the Nick Engvall Cinematic Universe of podcasts that we all are subscribing to and are members of. So you really won the long game. So like, you're Stanley. You really appreciate did. that. But yeah, um, this was this was a fun episode. I do think that uh, I think that Gunther managing any team should always be a hot take. He's Michael Scott. I yeah. said it very early on. And there is a certain principle that most managers have that right amount of irrational confidence that allows them to see out some tricky situations. And I will be sad whenever he leaves, whether it be through a firing or his own uh, decision to leave the sport. He's a true one of one. Agreed. Is there a possibility that we see uh, Mattia Bonato back in Formula One ever? Not as a team principal. Unless he's got Mattia Bonato's technical corner where he can explain and translate the incompetency of Ferrari. Like, I don't see it. All right. So 
I think uh, since we have, as you said, four months before racing begins again, what do you think? What are what are some of the things we should talk about on the in between episodes? Asking that for the listeners, also for you guys, with one caveat that we did mention at some point, or maybe it was just me, some sort of way of balancing the entire field, like an episode dedicated to changes we could make that might make it a little bit tighter. And how do you guys feel about doing an entire episode on that? I'm all for it because the doldrums of the season require us to think outside of the box and if there's a strength that the three of us have besides making each other laugh, it's coming up with these absurd ideas and stretching them out into 55 minute episodes. hundred percent. I'm in. Listeners, please give us not only reviews, but in your review, if you have any sort of show ideas that we can parade around as our own, but I guess we could give you credit when we read the review that you have, we can do that. But, yeah, yeah, come on. Give us show ideas because if we're left to our own devices, God knows what there is, where, where we're going to end up there. It's going to be an entire episode of OnlyFan AKAs and nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, this was fun, though. Um, and we will figure out a way to uh, incorporate those fantasy trades next year. Um, maybe. Maybe. I don't want to make. I, I mean, we made promises and, and let Trevor down. I feel like we don't need to do that again. So Trevor let me down. Trevor, if, if, if we say that we're going to do it, and we we'd rather over promise and under deliver. I mean, under promise and over deliver, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. All right. Well, make sure you're following Exhaust Notes FM everywhere. Make sure you're following these guys. Todd's taking selfies right now. If you're just listening, uh, I'm responding to the group chat of the F1 Fantasy, just so he knows that we're recording right now. Let everybody know how they can find you outside of the show. You can find me on OnlyFans at Gunter69er. Um, and at thanks, thanks for laughing at that. Todd, you gave the proper response. That was forced. <laughs> I'll come back with it next time. Uh, yeah, you can find me on X on uh, Rohizi at Instagram, Rohidem13, part of the Nick Engvall Cinematic Podcasting Universe uh, at Sneaker History and Exhaust Notes. Todd, where can they find you? Deadshoe.jpg on Instagram. That's S-H-U-E. Uh, same thing on threads. And Deadshoe underscore JPEG on Twitter. I don't have an OnlyFans this week. I decided to take down Bumping Pumpernickels now that the Toto slash Susie Wolf beef is squashed. Uh, you can find me at Nick Engvall on all the platforms. N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L. More importantly, hit the first link in the description wherever you're watching or listening to this and join the discord we've got a bunch of good people in there talking about formula one um there's always some interesting takes and some interesting news in that discord so appreciate y'all for rocking with us we'll catch you on the next one peace